Mark chapter 8, and we're going to start reading at verse number 22. Mark chapter 8, and we will start reading in verse 22. We're going to read these four verses through 26. And for some, this story here in the book of Mark is familiar. I know throughout the course of time I have read through or over this story on different occasions. And uh, I believe tonight the Lord would want us to see some things from this passage of Scripture. Mark chapter 8, verse 22. If you're there with me, would you say amen tonight? The Bible says, and he cometh to Bethesda, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand, and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes... You read that correctly. When he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. That word simply meaning, do you see anything? What do you see? And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. In other words, I see a silhouette I see their movement but I don't see them clearly after that he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up and he was restored and saw every man clearly and he sent him away to his house saying neither go into the town nor tell it to any in the town. Tonight, if I can, with the help of the Lord, I just want to preach for a little bit on a simple thought, and that is simply, I see you. Amen. I see you. And uh, we're going to look here at what the Word of God would challenge us with here tonight. Would you help us to pray one more time? Father, I do thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you tonight for your word, the power of that word, the anointing upon the word of God. And Lord, I'm asking tonight, let it go forth, Lord, and challenge our hearts and let it rest, oh God, upon our ears and that our ears would be open, our hearts sensitive and tender to your voice, to your word, and that we apply it. Lord, I pray that you'd meet with us here tonight. I pray you touch my mind and my lips, Lord, that the preaching would bring you glory. Lord, I'm asking you to hide me behind the cross. Lord, for in myself there's nothing good. I lean upon you tonight, Jesus. Father, I pray you'd meet with us in these altars, and we thank you for your faithfulness, and we do ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated. Oh, the simple statement tonight, I see you. Amen. You know, it's interesting in the fact that you never can tell or you never do know, should I say, when you are going to catch somebody's eye. 
When you are going to be seen unexpectedly, amen, uh, when you are going to maybe see someone uh, or someone sees you in a capacity as to where maybe you are not necessarily at your best. Uh, maybe it's a situation where somebody saw you in a moment of frustration. Maybe somebody saw you maybe acting in a way that was unbecoming or uncharacteristic of you, maybe in a sense. I was uh, coming home from wedding rehearsal uh, Friday evening, and uh, when I got home, I had received a text message from Brother Corey Bodiford. And uh, in that text message, he had sent a fella and the universal sign of I see you, right? It sent, uh, there was a picture of a fella doing that. And, uh, and it, you know, I, sometimes I'm a little bit slow, but I was sitting there looking at that. And I thought, well, uh, I, I don't remember seeing Brother Corey. But somewhere along the line of that night, he saw me. And he wound up texting and said, we were coming back from Beaumont. And he said, we saw your vehicle that passed us by. Doing the speed limit, mind you. Amen. Five miles over, Sister Haley. Five miles over. We serve a God of grace. Five miles over. Amen. That's for another message. That's for another time. Amen. And so anyway... Uh, he had seen me going down the road, and they had, uh, uh, he said, we, we was pretty sure that was your vehicle. And he said, and as we were, uh, saw you going to the exit, we knew for sure that's where you were. Amen. And uh, there's moments and times, like I said, where somebody's going to uh, see you in a particular moment or see you in a particular place. And that's why, uh, uh, and, and uh, this is a little bit of a rabbit trail, but let me just tell you, always be careful of how you conduct yourself. Amen. Somebody say amen to that. Always be careful. You never know. You never know who's uh, walking upon, listening to, uh, uh, what's going on. So don't put yourself in a position uh, where you would be embarrassed of your actions. Amen. As, uh, again, I'm very proud and justified of the fact I was doing good, driving, and uh, no matter what Sister Haley would say. Praise the Lord. But uh, we better get on to preaching here. But uh, anyway... Uh, when we look at this, uh, simply I see you, we find here the scripture tells us about this man in particular. And just like other men and or other women in scripture, we don't have a name, but we do see what the condition is. And in this, the Bible says that he'd come to Bethesda and as a result of him being there, the Bible says that... Uh, it simply says this, and they bring, or you could say brought a blind man unto him and besought him that he, Jesus, would touch this blind man. And uh, I know that in these four verses, the story seems pretty simple. It seems, if you will, pretty cut and dry. 
But I do believe that God tonight would like to cause us to look just a little bit deeper. To see a few things a little bit clearer as we look here at these verses together. I want you to understand that there are some things that stand out in such a way to me that there are some things that happen in these four verses that do not happen anywhere else in Scripture. There, are, uh, there is a situation that it is a first and only instance for the Lord Jesus. And I will get to that in just a moment. And in all of the miracles that have been performed and all of the people that Jesus had touched and all the things that he had done, I'm, I'm oftentimes, it's intriguing to me how there are often certain details. There are certain factors. There are certain things that, that stand out in specifics. There are some miracles that are recorded amongst all four Gospels. And they are told some have different perspectives or some a little more detailed. Some a little bit less. But in this, Mark is the only one that records this particular place here in general. And as we look at this, I want you to understand is that we are looking at some characteristics of Christ in regards that I think are something that we need to be reminded of, that we need to see clearly, that we need to be able to understand and know that, that Christ, he sees us in a way that nobody else sees us, that he looks to meet our need in ways that nobody else can meet our need and he will do things on such a personal level amen so that way you know that you are loved that you are cherished and that your particular situation is important to God I want you to understand that tonight. In a time and in a place where there are many who try to associate God with just generalities. Oh, that he just does this and, and, and it's just kind of mass production for whomever. But we have, I believe, those represented in the house of God tonight. You understand and know that God is interested in the specific details of your life. That he has brought you to this place and he has met your needs. And he has worked in ways that the intricacy, oh, and the detail, the attention to detail. You know that it has only been the hand of God that has been at work in your particular situation. I want you to understand tonight some things that are happening here. I want you to know that when we take a look at our Savior, I want you to understand tonight is that he is both personal and he is patient. He is personal and patient. I want you to look tonight with me as the word of God tells us here in verse 22 again where he comes to this particular town Bethesda and it says and they bring a blind man unto him. I want you to know it's just like we don't know who the blind man is. We don't know who they are. Amen. Have you ever, uh, uh, I find myself, uh, you know, doing this. You, you reach a point and a place in life that when you start to speak, you sound just like your parents. And, you know, when I was a teenager, Brother Eli, there were certain things mom and dad said. And I said I, to myself, I will never say that. I will, I will never say that as a parent. Then lo and behold, 
You're, you're looking uncomfortable there, Sister Amber. Is this, am, I, am I hitting the nerve right now? Uh-huh. Uh, you, you reach a point to where one, one, uh, one lady said, I opened my mouth and my mom showed up. Amen. I can say that about both my mom and my dad. Uh, I've said some things. But one of the things has to where, uh, uh, you know, that, it, that as a kid there's an argument in order to get what you want. You know, it, or, or to prove a point, uh, something like this is said. Well, they are all doing it. And my parents' response to that was, who is they? Right? Who is they? And Brother Danny, to my demise, my weak argument was, well, it's, it's everybody, right? And uh, I would find myself on the losing end of that argument because my uh, parents wanted to know who they was. Have you, have you ever heard a statement? Have you ever heard a saying? And, and, uh, and, and it starts with something like this, as they say. Or, uh, you know, as, uh, as, they, as they do this or whatever the case might be. And there's been times uh, as to where I have pondered and said, who in the world is they? Who, who has set this precedence? When did it become accepted behavior? When did it become the norm, right? I, I want to meet this council. I want to meet the committee and find out who they are. Amen. Uh, but in this, we come to find the Word of God says that they, bes- they besought Him. And they had besought Him because they wanted the blind man to be touched. Can I make this statement tonight? Can I just let you know that in this, that uh, it's apparent that they had a plan. And I also think that it is evident that they loved this man because they wanted him to be helped. They wanted him to be ministered to. They truly wanted what was best for him. They wanted him healed. They wanted him made whole. I want to park here for just a minute because the truth of the matter is is that in all of our lives there are some days. And not only in your life but also in somebody else's life you are a they. And what I mean by that is, is there are needs that you have. There are situations that you're up against. There are things that are breaking your heart. And you have a community of people. You have a church family. There are they who love you and want the best for you. There is a, maybe they is a spouse. Maybe they is a sibling. Maybe they is someone. And you desperately want to see that person you love. You desperately want to see that person you care about. You want to see them right with God. You want to see them, you want to see them helped and blessed. And on the same token, there are people who feel that way about you as well. It is perfectly fine to have a they in your life. As a matter of fact, I need a good team of theys. I need a good team of folks who will just look at me sometimes and say, I don't necessarily have to have all the details but pastor I'm praying for you today amen I don't have to know it all but I just want you to know 
I'm one of they and I'm in your corner. All of us need some good days and it's apparent that they were there. I'm glad that you care about the needs of people in particular in your life. I'm glad tonight represented here there are some of you and you are carrying a desperate burden. You are carrying a burden. You've got prodigal children. You've got prodigal grandchildren. You've got family members. Some of you got siblings. You've got people in your life and you have prayed and you have cried and you have said Lord what I want I want you to touch them I want you to do a work in them I want you to heal them and make them whole and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with that they loved this man They besought Christ on his behalf. They wanted Christ to touch him. But something that really stood out to me and that challenged my heart is that as I am a they for some people, I am a they for a congregation. I am someone that will look and I will cry with you. I'll pray with you. I'll rejoice with you. I'll under, I, I can understand when there's bad days and hard circumstances and all these types of things. And I'll have conversations with you and say, we're just going to believe God to do this. And, and he'll do this work. And whatever the case might be, we'll do our best to say the right things and pray the right things. And there's nothing wrong with trying to do that. That's from a place of sincerity. But I want you to understand that sometimes, please understand this, there was nothing wrong with their request. They wanted Jesus to touch them. But sometimes, Sister Haley, because I am a sincere they, because I'm somebody I want to see my people helped, I'm somebody I want to see folks delivered, I want to see folks that have broken hearts healed, I want to see marriages on the brink restored. Stored. I want to see your kids saved and in God's house. I want to see your grandkids saved. I want to see revival that is not just a series of services, but it's a lifestyle that permeates and is at work in the lives of God's people. But too many times, this is what God dealt with this preacher's heart about. So please hear me. Hang with me on this. We're going somewhere. Is that sometimes when I'm asking and beseeching God to touch your life or you are a they praying for God to touch somebody else's life your burden is right your heart's in the right place but God dealt with me in preparation for this and said sometimes you are asking for a touch because a touch is quick and a touch is convenient and a touch happens overnight and a touch is a big powerful magical moment in the altar and we all want to touch we just want God to touch somebody and change the situation but see God dealt with me and said sometimes I'm not going to just touch them like this I want you to understand that this miracle in and of itself was very peculiar it was very out of the box Compared to other things Jesus did. Please hear me tonight. We see in other instances, Brother Corey, where he did just reach and t- 
touch somebody. We see in other moments where all he did, Sister Jennifer, he simply spoke a word and someone was healed. We saw and we see at different times where Christ interacted in different ways and it was a touch, it was a word, it was, a, it was just a, a, a wave of the hand, it was just, but it, it just seemed like instantaneously that person, that situation, that circumstance was made whole. And it wasn't the fact that Christ couldn't do that again this time. It wasn't the fact that Christ did not uh, have the capability or the power, but I wanted tell somebody tonight uh, is that sometimes what we perceive as a touch uh, is truly from a place where we want to see a quick fix for somebody. Everybody likes a quick fix. We would love it if the people that we love and we're praying for and we've been praying for and fasting for and counseling and, 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 and crying with and walking with and all those things, that if there was just this thing, just this, oh, I, I need a touch, or they need a touch, and then Brother Eli, everything was fine. As my papa would say, it's all hunky-dory now. Man, it's just, it's perfect now. But one of the things that I'm coming to learn to find is that the way that God will touch someone is far different than the way that I would hope for him to do so. I want you to understand is that that touch that they were beseeching Christ for was an instantaneous fix. But Christ will always deal in a personal way. To really deal with the cause and the root and the heart of the issue. And if that is the case, then we have got to let God do what he's going to do. And let him be personal and let him work his patience. So what do you mean by this? Well, as we see this, we come to, we come to look as they besought him. They wanted the, they wanted the touch. Convenient, no need for steps, no real need for waiting, tearing, patience, praying. We know, we, 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 we quote it, we understand it, but the word of God does say that if we let patience have its perfect work, we will be perfect and entire. Can I tell you, that is not just always in situations pertaining to you directly. God wants to work some things through you and in you as you carry a burden even for someone close to you. We can cry. We can fast. We can hoop and holler. We can, I thank God for moments. I thank God for times. Oh, when the power of God's so real. When there is a visible display that God is moving, God is working. And oh man, it seems wonderful, but I'm afraid. I'm afraid that too many times we as a church are guilty of we want a one and done situation. Amen. Just bear with me. I'm preaching to you good tonight. We're just wanting a situation where it's, it's done and it's over. But I want you to notice what Jesus did. The Bible says there was no, nobody else that Christ asked to take the hand of the blind man. There's no, none of they take him. 
But the Bible implicates to us that Jesus walks to the blind man, takes him by the hand, and they begin to leave the city limits. They're just walking together. We oftentimes, in our impatience, we want to see God deal with that one we love and what the need is or our circumstances right then and there. But God sometimes says, let me just grab a hold of you and we're going to walk together for a little bit. We're just going to take our time a little bit. Again, he is personal. I want to remind you tonight the things that you're praying for, the loved one that you're praying for, the situation concerning you that you're praying for. As let me just remind you, God knows them personally. God speaks their language. God knows how to get a hold of their heart. Because here's what happens. Everybody else has been touched. Everybody else got a word. Brother Gary, everybody else. They was begging on the roadside. Or they was tearing the roof off. Or whatever the case might be. And oh, it was a demonstration of his might and power. But not this time. Because this time, this blind man just needed. God to show up and walk with them for a little while. I want to let somebody know you cannot force feed God's timetable, His miracle, or His healing process in somebody's life. You must have the faith to know that God is willing to walk with somebody even while they're blind, even while they're ignorant of it, even when you don't understand what's going on. He is personal and says, I just want you to walk with me for a little while. As a matter of fact, let me say this. While we stand, because in my mind I kept thinking, I wonder what they were doing while this was going on. Right? I wonder what they are doing. They are probably a lot like we are in the church. What's Jesus doing? What's going on? Hang on. Hang on. Maybe he didn't hear my prayer right. Right? Maybe he didn't hear what I was saying right. Uh, Excuse me, Jesus. We said we just want you to touch him. And can you see Jesus just keeps on walking? Maybe he gives him a glance and just smiles and nods his head. But he's going to keep on walking with the blind man. Because they had the idea, they had their plan, and now they're left saying, what in the world's going on? Maybe they wanted to follow. Maybe they wanted to go behind. Have you ever noticed that we have a tendency when God's trying to work, we want to follow behind God? And we're like a little yapping dog. We're telling God all the things. This is what I need you to do. This is how you ought to work it. This is what you got to do. This is what I'm praying. This is what I'm fasting. This is what the... You, you, you. And the whole time we're carrying on, Brother Eli, the Lord knows specifically who to take by the hand and who to walk through. Oh, here's a word we don't like to hear. The process. I'm going to tell you something. I want you to catch this. Have you ever served or helped or assisted somebody with a disability? 
you can't get in a hurry. Can't get in a hurry. This was out of they's comfort zone. They wanted a touch and they wanted it right then. Jesus was willing to personally take that one by the hand and take his time. Can't hurry a blind man. Can't do it. Brother Danny, at any point in that walk, Christ could have right then healed him. He could have right then taken care of it. Let me tell somebody this tonight. The person, the people, the situations you're praying for, not only does God know them personally and God speak their language, and this is just the way my mind works, not only was I thinking what were they doing, but I'm also thinking what conversations taken place between Christ and the blind man. What's going on? Could it be? That they were wanting a miracle more than the blind man was? Well, Brother Jacob, that sounds so contradictory. Does it really? How many times, how many prayers have you prayed? How much have you grieved and groaned and cried over somebody in your life, your circle, situations that's going on? And you have worried and fretted and prayed and thought and thought and all of those different types of things. But... The burden was heavier on you than it actually was them. And that in and of itself is a little bit frustrating. I know you're not going to admit it. I'm now asking you to raise your hand. But some of us in this house, that there have been times that in the process of you praying, you've just kind of gotten huffy and been out of shape and said, well, I'm just not going to pray about this anymore because I've been around them and they could care less. Right? They just don't care. They're still mean. They're still this. They're still carrying on. They're still this. And then it turns to God. I said, once again, what are you doing and where are you at? And God says, don't you worry about it. I'm walking with them even when you can't see it. I'm speaking their language. I'm putting people in their pathway. I'm doing some things. And I'm patient enough. And I'm long-suffering enough. In my humanity, I get short-fused. In my humanity, I get impatient. In my humanity, I don't understand God's time frame. But thank God that He's God and I'm not. And that I can just sit and let Him do His work in His time. Patient, blind man can't move fast. He can't walk in a hurry. I wonder how they got him there. Come on, come on, get, get over here. Come on, we're going to go see Jesus, right? That's how kind of we treat the people in our life, the people we're praying for, the burdens that's going, come on, come on. We're going to hurry up and get here, right? You nearly kill each other in the car on your way to church. And then you get out, oh. <laughs> Blessed be the name of the Lord. We're so glad to be here today. And you done know you about pulled each other's hair out. and You've been squabbling, fighting, and everything else. Why? Because the pressure of the issue, the problem. We're just, we're trying, we just got to get to church. We just got to get to his presence. We just got to. We just got to get in there. We got to do these things. And then we get more frustrated when Christ doesn't work with the urgency that we're working with. He says, I'm taking care of it. I'm going to walk with this person a little bit. 
I'm going to take my time with them. You see, sometimes in our urgency, God taps the brakes because he says, this is something that's very personal and very something I've got to work my patience on. You see, sometimes, Brother Tobin, we forget how patient God was with us. You see, you forget that at one time you was hard-headed. You still are. You're just a little bit more sanctified about it now. You, you were the one. You were the one that everybody was, you know, it was you in the situation. It was your circumstance. It was your problem. And, and you just, you, you just kind of looked at folks sometimes and says, I just need all of y'all to leave me alone. I just need some space. I need some time. I, I, I just, I, you know, we're going to figure this out somehow. And somehow and in some way, Christ showed up in your blindness, in your hard-heartedness, in your stubbornness and said, I'm just going to walk with you. Because, Anna, if you were forced one day, one minute, one hour out of step from the night you walked in that door, you wouldn't be here right now. Sister Linda, if God hadn't worked on you and walked with you and kept you and was patient with you, if he was too late, too early, you wouldn't be here tonight. Jacob Smith wouldn't be here tonight if it wasn't for a God who came and just walked with me and loved on me and said, I know you can't see it right now and you don't understand it right now, but I'm going to do all that it takes and I've got all the time that is needed to get you where you need to go. If we can get a glimpse and remember the way God was merciful along suffering with us, it will allow us to extend the same courtesy for the people and the circumstances we're praying about right now. The Bible says he held him by the hand. He was walking him out of the city limits. He was personal and he was patient. I want you to understand tonight that not only was he personal and patient, but we find that God is very particular in how he works. Because he knows how to speak someone's language, and I'm using that in the sense of he knows how to get somebody's attention. He knows what to do. He knows not only what to say, the timing of it all, but he also knows where it needs to work. Something that's interesting about this statement, uh, because I thought to myself, why did he lead him out of town? Why did he lead him out? Of, why did he go somewhere else? Now, we know at the end of the story, Jesus had commanded him, said, just go home, don't tell anybody about it, because Christ was always dealing with an onslaught of people. Pharisees, Sadducees, religious leaders were always, Brother Danny, planning to kill him. And so there were things that he did and he tried not to make an uproar or a scene so that he could minister, that he could go about. Because the Bible gives us many pictures that when his fame spread abroad, when people knew he was there, he would have to eventually leave that place because there was conspiracy always in his earthly ministry to kill him. And in other times and places, Jesus had said, or the word of God says, that he would slip out, he would, he would vanish in the crowd because it was not his time yet to die. And so I thought, that's the reason, and maybe that's part of it, but 
you have to understand there's something a little bit deeper with this because you see it, it not only does God personally lead the people that we love not only is he patient with them in their disability in their blindness in their hard-headedness their stubbornness whatever the case might be however you want to however you want to talk about it but there is places that God says I've got to get you as to where I can really get your attention and I can really work the way that I'm going to work on you. Can I tell you, you don't have to go back in your mind too far to remember the place you were at. We can talk about the time, Anna, when you came in. But you see, it wasn't just about the time, but it was also about a place you were. You see, you were ready. You were at a place where that heart was tender and where God could do a work and where God could work in a way that maybe even it surprised you. Maybe it even makes sense to you. You see, here's what you have to understand is that there are there's commentary and there is scripture that even tells us that Bethesda was a place that had been cursed by Christ because of their unbelief. Could it be that he escorted this man out of town to do a work in him, but, but it could not be contaminated by the unbelief of the people of that town. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 11, verses 20 through 22, Then began he to upbraid, that means correct, to scold the cities wherein most of, listen, where most of his mighty works were done. Because they repented not. He was working mighty works. He was doing miracles. But their hearts were hard. They would not believe. They would not believe on him. And he said. Because they repented not. Woe unto thee. Chorazin. Woe unto thee Bethesda. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, which was the mainstays of the Samaritans, those that were not of the Jewish lineage, those that were considered dogs, those that were considered less than, said if those mighty works were done there, they would have believed. They would have repented. They would have put on sackcloth and ashes. They would have had revival. If the things I did in your city had been done there. He said, but I say unto you, it'll be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. God had levied condemnation against this city. Because they would not believe. They would not repent. Though his mighty works had been done there. You see, not only is God working in what he will do, will he be personal, speak someone's language, will he be patient, but as I said, he will, excuse me, get you to the place where he can work. You see, we find in scripture there were other instances that he would cast out unbelievers. He'd tell them, get out of the house. I don't want you here. I only want some people here that have some faith. 
I only want some people here that's going to dare to believe. I'm only going to move amongst some people that are willing to work. And let me just say this. I want to tell somebody tonight. I just, can I, 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 this might burst your bubble. This might break your heart. This might upset you. You may not like what pastor's going to say. But I want to tell you, your child may not come and get saved in Victory Temple. Your sibling may not come and be saved in the revival here. They may not, they might not have an experience inside of the walls of this church. It doesn't mean that God may not in some time bring them in. But you're going to have to be okay that where God chooses to lead them, where God chooses to do the work, that we would say, God, I'm fine with that. I just want you to restore. I want you to heal. I want you to do what only you can do. And in the same token, I want this house to be a place that God can bring people in. And that we are not sitting around and going to be hard-headed, hard-hearted, and judgmental. Because somebody didn't do like you did, or Mamaw did, or Pappy did, or whoever else did. Because sometimes we are looking for the same response, the same this, and the same that in every person's life. But I'm going to tell you, just as different as our DNA is, and as different as our fingerprints are, the way he saved Sister Shannon was different than the way that he saved me. What do you mean, preacher? It was still the blood of Jesus. It was still by way of the cross. But God knew how to deal with her. And God knew how to deal with me. She probably was born again in this church. I was born again sitting on my bedside at 1572 Lakeside Lane in St. Louis, Missouri. Some of you was born again at a revival. Some of you born again in other places. But all all that matters is as grace showed up and his power met you and he was able to work because he had you in place so therefore before you throw your hands up get mad and you're going to quit because they are not where you want them to he says I'm personal I'm patient and I'm particular. You see, because Christ was going to also do something that he hadn't done. Now, he had done some questionable things. We find in one instance, he spit in the clay. Used the clay as salve to place on a man's eyes and told that man to go wash in the pool and his sight was restored. We've seen as he cast a legion of devils and cast them into a herd of pigs and they were so possessed out of their minds they went screaming and dove off a cliff so that the man of the gatherings could be set free. We find that there was a place where there was a man who was blind, deaf, and dumb. And the Bible says that Jesus not only spit on him but also took his fingers and put it in his ears. We're all the time waiting for amazing grace, how sweet the sound. We're waiting.
waiting for the pre- we're waiting brother Jake for you to preach three points in a poem and, and have brother Danny come and sister Carolyn sing at the cross at the cross where I first, and that's fine and that's wonderful and that works for some people but some folks got to have the fingers put in their ears and some folks got to have the demons cast out and some folks need to be told oh to put the clay on the eye and go wash in the pool there are some folks that you may not understand the process of God but God will get him in a place and he'll roll up his sleeves and say now I can work now I can move now I can perform something in their life and brother Eli no fingers in the ear this time no clay this time but he spits on the man's eyes gross spits in his eyes right and the Bible says that he lays his hands on him now I want you to catch this you know where I'm going with this already but something's getting ready to happen brother Chad that has never happened before and I know every church member goes something that's been done never done before how dare Jesus right We are so regulated by our traditions. We are so regulated by our religious staples and standards. And it's always got to be done. But I'm telling you, God will work in ways. He will be personable. He will be patient. And he is particular. And he got him out of town, out of a place where nobody would believe, where they would have laughed and mocked and carried on. But he got him outside of that place where nobody would believe and got him in a place where it was just the two of them. Spits in his eyes, lays his hands upon him. He asks the man, he says, what do you see? Do you see anything? And the man says, I see men, but they are as trees. It's not clear. I see motion, but everything looks the same. It's all kind of cloudy. Catch this. The first time... In scripture that it's been recorded or since then. That Christ would have been viewed as less than. Not powerful enough. Maybe that day he didn't eat his Wheaties. Maybe that day, Brother Chad, he missed prayer meeting. Maybe that morning Jesus was just having a bad day. And he prayed He spit on the eyes and he prayed and he asked the man, he says, what do you see? But the man does not see clearly. He does not see clearly. Now I want to point your attention to something. Sister Anna, he saw. He was blind. He sees something. He says, I see men, but they're like trees. It's just not clear. So I want to let somebody know that the thing you've been praying for, where God's been personal and he's been patient and he's been particular, let me tell you that sometimes in the process of him working, the answer doesn't look the way you want it to look. I want you to know is that sometimes things are cloudy. Sometimes things are murky. Sometimes things are muddy. Can I just take a quick poll in here tonight? Is there someone, are there things you've been praying for? 
And you know, you can't argue that God's not working. But you know that right now, it's still in process. Anybody here? All right. Make sure I'm preaching right folks tonight. It's still in process. You look at it, and you say, well, in all technicality, he's not blind anymore. He does see men, but he sees them as trees. But the Bible says that Jesus, this is the only time it's been recorded, he lays hands on him again. It lets us know, Brother Danny, that sometimes the work of God is a progressive work. Is that sometimes, I want to tell you, because see, this is why we love when Jesus just touches somebody. We love this, Sister Haley, when the Lord just comes by and and just works and moves and everything's clear and everything's straight and everything's right and it's packaged and it's pretty and it all makes sense and we're so happy. But that's why we want the touch. But when God leads somebody out, when God walks with a blind man, when God walks in situations that he has to be patient and you have to be patient and he works in particular ways, the word of God says that the ways of the Lord they are mysterious we don't understand them they don't always make sense brother Gary but it did not mean that God was not working amen I'm going to buy my own tape tonight you ain't shouting but I am preaching there are some things that you're looking at in your life and they're not quite clear There are some things you've been praying for for somebody else and you can't argue. You know God's working, but you know they're not quite there yet. And yet is the operative word. Because this lets me know, like I said earlier, we are so fascinated. We are fascinated, Sister Linda. We are fascinated with one time. God works one time, one moment. He heals. He does this. One and done. A magic moment. It was the, it was the thunder, the lightning. It was all these things. But you see, Sister Lindy, processes are difficult. They're difficult. Dealing with people in processes. Dealing with people as they grow in God. It is rewarding and wonderful and it will also drive you crazy you will shout and rejoice and then there's other times brother Keith you're ready to pull your hair out because you cannot grow without growing pains you cannot go go through some stuff and you will not reach a level of maturity I mean Come on, all of us can look back. You can look back in your pictures of your childhood and things that you thought was just wonderful and awesome and it was great. And you look back and you think, what was I thinking? What was I doing? Why did I do that? Why did I look that way, right? Why did I, or, or as a, you, 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 you know what it is when you were 20, what you did with money. And now what you do with money now that you're 50 and 60, things are just a little bit different. You look back then and say, why did I buy that? Why did I do that? Why did I think I couldn't live without it, right? And to where now you're like, no, I don't need it. I just, <laughs> nah, it's all right. 
you want to give it to me, that's fine, but I'm, I'm, not, going, I'm not going to buy it, right? It's what, what is this, Sister Kelly? It's maturity. It's the process. He prays for him again, Brother Hemphill, lays his hands upon him again, and he says, now tell me, what do you see? And the Bible said this, he said, I see all men clearly. I see it clearly. Can I tell you is that for the person, you know what the Bible goes on to say, you can go back and read it, and I'm just reciting here from memory. But this is what I love, Brother Coleman. The story says that he was restored. I want to tell you there's distinct difference in somebody getting a touch and somebody getting restored. Hear me. There is a difference between goosebumps and a shout versus somebody being restored. Because restoration, it happens on the inside. It changes. This man's, Sister Haley, his perspective changed. You cannot, here's the thing. Perspective is the lens by which you see something. What you view it through. And you cannot have perspective without your heart and your mind being engaged. That's what affects your perspective. That's why there's some people, they are always half glass empty. Right? Because mind and heart, I hate to break it to you, let's just be honest. If that's, if that's how you view life, if that's kind of where you are, it's because you tend to have a negative perspective. I love you. Jesus loves you. That's fine. We can work on it. We can pray about it. But that's what it is. It's because heart and mind are looking at it through that lens. It's, it's, it's setting the tone. It's, it's the lens which you're looking through. And then, you, on the other hand, you see, you see as maybe somebody's a little more optimistic. It's because it's the condition of the heart and the mind. And I want to tell you tonight is that when this man was restored he said I see all men clearly I want to wrap this up with this thought not only was the man's sight restored completely he saw men clearly the thing about it is is that when God does a restorative work when he has been personal patient Particular, what you come to find is your perspective is changed. And did you know that when you have been restored, you look at people a different way? You're a little bit more patient. You're a little bit more understanding. You're not going to take the Bible and kill people with it. Come on. I've seen people do it. I've seen folks. There was a there was a there was a fella between here and China. He had a, a a young lady come into his church, and she had given her life to God. 
sincere, weeping at the altar, asking God to forgive. I mean, just, she was sincere. She came for the rest of the revival, and one night somebody was looking for something and said, somebody said, man, I wish, I wish somebody had a lighter. And she said, oh, I've got a lighter. And she pulled out a lighter. Not only was it a lighter, but it had Budweiser on it. And everybody, well, not everybody, but some of the folks in the church. <gasps> right? First thought, what do you have that lighter for? If you're really born again, you wouldn't have that lighter in your purse. And by all means, it wouldn't have Budweiser on it. Well, sorry, she just got saved two days ago. You hear, you hear what I'm saying? Some folks are so quick. We get so bristly. Us, I, us folks been saved for a while. We forget. We need to see men clearly again. You need, you need to remember where you came from. You never remember when you had Budweiser cigarette lighter in your purse. You need, you need to remember when the music blasting in your car wasn't godly. It wasn't the Gaither vocal band. You remember when your DVD selection at the house was, didn't have P's and G's. It had R's in it. Come on here. Oh, now you're meddling, preacher. Good. I want you to get stirred up a little bit. Because we reach a point that sometimes we think we've always been saved and we've always been doing right and we've always, we got it all together and we come in here and we got our Sunday best on and we got all this stuff and you get somebody in here who's blind. You got somebody in here and all we want, all we want, God, they're blind. Touch them, touch them, Lord. But God says, I'm not touching them the way that you want. I'm going to go grab them by the hand. And I'm going to walk with them. And I'm going to get them around people who's going to believe with them. And I'm going to get them in a place as to where everything in their life is not going to be solved in one prayer meeting. But it could be that it takes another touch. And another touch. And another touch. And another service. I hate to break it to you. I know that you, this is going to shock you. But I'm not a perfect man. You just re you're ready to vote me out now, aren't you? Your pastor's not perfect, Brother Tobin. I just disappointed him. But here's the thing, Brother Marvin. From the pulpit to the back pew, every single one of us, let me say it like this, every day, we should be saying, Lord, touch me again. Help me again. I'm not saying you're begging to be saved every day. But I'm saying that, Lord, I need you to walk with me today. I need you to help me today. I need you to keep my mind today. I need you to guard my heart today. I need you today. I want to see clearly. I want to be restored. Brother Danny, Sister Haley, if you'd come. With heads bowed and eyes closed tonight. I want somebody in this house to know that God sees you. He sees where you are. He knows the circumstance that you're praying about. Where you're wanting his touch. Where you're wanting God to do something. But let me say this. He also sees those that you are concerned about.
things that concern you and then others that concern you. Places that we are wanting God to touch. We're wanting God to move. We need a, we need a miracle right now, God. But tonight, God's wanting you to know that there are some things in particular that he wants to do. He wants to walk personably. He wants to walk with long-suffering because that's who he is. He wants to take us through the processes. Those that you love through the processes, even when you don't see it, when you don't understand it. He wants to get him not only in a time but in a place where he can work. And he can do things that seem absolutely strange. But it's the way that he wants to work. And it's the way he knows that he has to work in order to restore their sight. He wants you to know and understand that when restoration is complete, your perspective changes. You see things clearly. You see others clearly. You know, Scripture doesn't say it, but I can't help but to believe it. When he said, I see all men clearly, I believe the first man that he saw clearly was Christ. As he looked up and looked into the face of the Savior. Tonight, can I tell somebody, as God does a restorative work, as God patiently works on our behalf and our personal needs, and He's working on behalf of the things that you're covering with prayer, your children, your home, your families, situations pertaining to those that seem like they're on the run. You wonder, you've prayed, you've fasted, you've cried, you've wept. We want to touch, and God says, I'm speaking their language. I'm walking with them. They're not out of my sight. I'm with them. They're blind right now. Their hearts are hard right now. Scales are on their eyes, but I'm patient. I'm patient. I'm going to get them to a place. I'm going to get them to a place in life where I can work particularly and deal with their heart because God says, I just don't want to touch them. I want to restore them. God says to you tonight, I don't just want to touch you. I want to restore you. I want to make you complete. I want to change you from the inside. More than just a God of surface level. I want to do something deep within. Tonight, tonight I pray that we can leave here saying, I see it now. I see you, Lord. I see you clearly. You see me. I see you clearly. I've got a little better understanding tonight. As the Holy Ghost reveals. Maybe there's things pertaining to you personally. Maybe there's things of people and loved ones that are tied to you. You should say, Pastor, I want to see God do a restoration. I want to see him do a work that cannot be denied, cannot be argued cannot be dismissed or talked away but it's a work where I know and I can see I can see the effects of the deep work that God has done that's us tonight can we come and find our place ourselves a place to pray can we come tonight and just bring some of these things to the Lord would you come tonight and say Jesus I want to see it clearly Lord I want to see you clearly 
I want to see others in my life clearly. I want to get clear perspective upon the situation I'm wrestling with. Lord, I've been, I've been rushed. I've tried to rush you. I, I have tried to bypass processes. I have tried to get around and find loopholes and just say, Lord, touch them. But tonight, you're going to do some things a little bit different. You're going to do some things. You're working in ways. Lord, in some situations, I don't quite understand. Some ways, I don't quite know. Oh, but Lord, I'm going to trust you. Lord, I'm going to trust you tonight. Lord, I'm going to go through the processes and I'm going to learn from you. Lord, I'm going to let my perspective change. I'm going to let you be personal, boy. Patient with me. I'm going to let you be personal and patient with those that I love. Lord, I'm going to let you be particular in your work. Do what you've got to do, God. I'm going to trust you with it. I'm going to trust you with it. 